This is the Digital Corporate Communication Podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Mark Badham. And I'm Professor Vilma Luomaaho. Together we research corporate communication at Uvascular University School of Business and Economics. And we are co-editors of the Handbook of Digital Corporate Communication, or DCC. In this podcast series, we interview some of the best corporate communication scholars across the globe. Each one has written a chapter for the handbook. We ask, what is technology changing or not changing in corporate communication? And how are we dealing with the influence of technology? Today, we are talking about digital corporate communication and stakeholder relationship management. And we're talking with Rita Men, who is Professor of Public Relations in the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida in the USA. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. Good to have you. Let's start with the definition. It's always good to start there. How do you define stakeholder relationship management, Rita? Yes, you know, as we both know, this concept has been defined from different perspectives. You know, in the business literature, it can be defined from the stakeholder management perspective. And you have I have read about your definition. That's the management of a common interest with stakeholders over time to achieve mutually beneficial goals. But from the public relations perspective, there's an abundance of literature on relationship management. But actually, relationship management is the new approach to public relations. So from the PR perspective, it is the management of interactions and communications to build mutually beneficial relationships with the stakeholders. As I said earlier, there's so much literature out there about a relationship. And very importantly, people might ask, you know, what, how do we matter relationship, right? What is a good or mutually beneficial relationship? Mm. And in my own research, I use a lot of Grunin and Hong's measurement, which is to look at the main four, the four main outcomes of a relationship. The different parties involved in the relationship trust one another, right? That's trust. And we have this control neutrality. That's a feeling of shared control, a feeling of empowerment in this relationship. And then commitment. The parties involved are committed to continuing the relationship and satisfaction. They are happy in this relationship. So my understanding of relationship management is it will lead to this important relationship outcomes, which has been demonstrated in a lot of literature to contribute to the organizational effectiveness eventually. Mm. So that's my understanding of relationship management. Mm. Thank you. That's great. Um, because the topic of this podcast is digital corporate communication, perhaps we should move on to how has digitalization changed stakeholder relationship management? I imagine it's done it in a, in a huge way. Perhaps you could elaborate on that a bit. Yes, absolutely. When we talk about the digitalization of that's about the emerging technologies. And we know in the past 20 years, one of the major societal changes is uh, digitization or emerging technologies, more specifically the main emerging technologies, social media. And when we think about how social media has changed the relationship management practice or public relations practice, we need to think about what is new about this media, how that is different from the traditional media channels 
you know, one thing we discuss frequently about social media, it is two-way interactive, it's more conversational, mm. and it's relationship-oriented, it is communal, it is viral. So all these features bring opportunities, unprecedented opportunities for companies and brands to manage relationships with different stakeholders. We can think of this change from three aspects. The one is about information access. Mm. Now, traditionally, uh, consumers or employees, they probably will go to the company's website or the other uh, online channels to, to look at for the information. But with social media, there's this new way of information accessing. Also, it's a new way for the organizations to disseminate the information to the different stakeholders. According to Husuit, 2021 research, 45% of internet users these days use social media to access information, to find the information about the brands and companies. And that is a, a, big, a, a big number. If you think of this, almost half of the people, they do not use Google and they use social media to search <laughs> for information about the company. Wow. That said, yes, that said, this is a great opportunity for organizations to provide information to their stakeholders in a timely manner, in a relevant manner, and for, for the public, for stakeholders, and they have new way to access information. So they have higher expectation of the visibility and the transparency of the organization because of social media as well. So the second aspect I would say is voice. Hmm. Again, Back to the features of social media, which is more interactive and is more communal and is open. It provides stakeholders like employees or consumers a new way to voice, voice their opinions, their thoughts, their ideas, their complaints or their concerns. That's why for activists, that's a new channel for them to rally uh, and others and to mobilize the groups and to pressure for change, the change of a policy inside or the societal change. And for the, from the organization's perspective, because they can listen to the stakeholders on social media, so that's a, actually an advantage for them they can take. So they can better understand organizations uh, sorry, better understand the publics. Mm. So because social media provides new ways for stakeholders to voice their opinions and thoughts and concerns, it also provides an opportunity for organizations to listen to the stakeholders regarding what they need, what are they complaining about, and what are their concerns. So it works both ways. Mm. That's the second aspect. And the third aspect I would think of how digitization changes stakeholder relationship management is the engagement. So that's actually a new approach to public relations, that is public engagement. And a lot of my own research tackled with um, in how we measure engagement and why, why social media engagement matters and how to drive social media engagement. One thing we could think about you know, traditionally, when we talk about engagement, we think of face-to-face, -face, right? It's a two-way, it is interactive, and organizations can use face-to-face uh, -face channels such as, as town hall meetings, small group meetings, or one-on-one -on -one meetings uh, with uh, internal stakeholders when, when they want, well, 
wouldn't they want to engage them? But these days we have social media. It is a more um, hands-on and it's all, all, it's all also more uh, synchronous and it's um, less costly as well. It's cost-effective. Mm. It doesn't cost that much time, but it, it has this uh, two interactive conversational and dialogic feature. So my research defines social media engagement from two perspectives or two levels. One level we call it reactive, reactive engagement that is a message consumption. So publics or stakeholders can easily read the post, view the pictures or watch the videos on the company's social media page. And this, the higher level that involves a more affective and more, <clears throat> more engaged uh, behavioral level of engagement. So that is about liking, posting, positive or negative comments and sharing posts. And a few of my studies showed both levels of engagement, reactive message consumption and proactive contributing can lead to relationship outcomes with the existing relationship controlled, you know, if we control the existing or prior attitudes toward the organization, the social media engagement at both levels can still contribute to relationship outcomes such as trust, satisfaction, or, in, or uh, control mutuality and commitment. Those uh, were outcomes we discussed earlier. Mm. Oh, right, good. So that's the three aspects, well, I could think of, you know, when we talk about engagement, one is access, Second is voice and the listening. And the third aspect is engagement. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, information access, voice and engagement, they all link back to how digitalization has really changed stakeholder relationship management in those three different ways. Yes. When you talk about reactive engagement and affective and behavioral engagement, I imagine... Um, uh, uh, closeness in relationship, perhaps through effective and behavioral engagement. So I guess I wanted to ask you, um, as your research looked into how organizations can gain deeper, closer relationships and has digitalization helped with that? Yes, absolutely. That's an excellent question, Mark. Actually, if we want to go deeper into my studies mm. on social media engagement, that's a very important part I need to talk about mm. because even though I just mentioned both levels of the engagement that work for building relationship, in fact, our studies consistently found that the, the, the proactive, uh, the contributing that involves liking, sharing, commenting, and those type of engagement can have a stronger impact on relationship outcomes than reactive message consumption. You are absolutely right. So they, they need to uh, engage in conversation for sure. They, uh, they organizations and brands, they engage in a two-way conversation so that the stakeholders post comments, they read respond to the comments, creating this conversation, creating this two-way dialogue, and that furthers the relationship. Our studies showed that, uh, explained why, you know, a few of my studies explained why this type of engagement can have stronger impact on relationship outcomes. We identified the two major mediators in this process. And the first one is, we call it parasocial interaction. Mm -hmm. So that is a, a perceived friendship 
between the organization and the stakeholders. So we measure from the stakeholders' perspective, and they they think if they follow and interact with the organization over time, they will develop this perceived friendship with the organization person, with the social media persona of the organization or social media representative of the organization. Mm. So this parasocial interaction or perceived friendship, which is a deeper level, more intimate relationship with the organization, further contributes to this long-term mutually beneficial relationship with the organization. So that's the first mediator we identified that explains why social media engagement can contribute to relationship outcomes. And another important mediator is community identification. So that says when the, the publics, they not only consume the messages, you know, they read posts of these videos, and they also engage in this two-way conversation, they post comments, they like, and they share, and, and they engage in one-on-one -on -one conversations. All these activities can further co contribute to their identification with this uh, community on social media. And then that lead to their long-term relationship with the organization. So these two factors, parasocial interaction and the community identification, explains why this social media engagement, especially the proactive contributing activities on social media, can contribute to relationship outcomes. Wonderful. Thanks. Um, I asked you initially about how has digitalization changed stakeholder relationship management, but perhaps we should ask also what has digitalization not changed? regarding stakeholder relationship management? In other words, has anything remained the same? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. We, when we think about technology, I often talk about this in my class to my own students. And technologies are tools. It really depends on the PR mindset or the strategic com communication mindset and approach to it. It's about how we actually use the technology. And that makes a difference on the relationship outcomes. With that said, those relationship cultivation strategies identified in the literature, such as transparency, authenticity, symmetrical communication, social presence, cre creating the social presence, conversational human voice, dialogic communication. So all these strategies, the tennis, or the tenets of the theories still are the same. It's just uh, how you actually use it, implement it is different. For example, listening. It has been a very important relationship building strategy, right? We know that. And traditionally, we use, uh, uh, we use survey, consumer survey, or employee climate survey to listen, or we use face-to-face -face or traditional channels like a telephone we are we use those traditional methods to listen to stakeholders mm -hmm. but these days with social media we have social listening not only social media let's talk about other emerging technology such as chatbots as ai enabled technology or metaverse so there are other platforms or other, other venues organizations can utilize to better listen to stakeholders. So the idea of listening, this strategic approach or communication approach is the same. The difference is the format of listening. Hmm. Good, thanks. Um, you mentioned the term before in one of your answers, uh, mutually beneficial relationships. I guess that's 
that's the aim from an ethical point of view. Um, but perhaps you could tell us about the dark side or the downside, the dangers perhaps of um, digital stakeholder relationship management. Yes, absolutely. Technologies or social media is a two-edged sword for organizations. Mm. It comes with pros and cons. It poses challenges and risks and also brings opportunities. Definitely it comes with this dark, dark side or downside of uh, social media or digitization when we, when we think of uh, relationship management in the digital era. One thing is uh, over-reliance on social media or over-reliance on emerging technologies and forgetting about the, those important traditional channels such as face-to-face. And during this pandemic, we all experienced, even though Zoom or other technologies make communication convenient, however, nothing can really replace face-to-face communication. Mm. But because social media is so convenient and sometimes people or organizations, they just rely too much on social media. And they forget the importance of this personal touch, this face-to-face communication. Well, yes, even though you can still personify the organization on social media, can project a corporate character. However, nothing can really replace this face-to-face components, the offline communications. So that's the number one aspect. Mm -hmm. And the second aspect is um, about misuse or second use of user data that's related to privacy concerns or privacy risks the how organizations are actually using the data whether they are using the user data for uh, targeted advertising or other commercial purposes so that's about that's an ethical issue to 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 keep in mind for sure but it's also uh, about communication consumers, they don't know how organizations are going to use their data. So it's important for organizational brands to communicate transparently to the consumers or to the stakeholders how the data are going to be used, mm. in, if, at all, if at all, and what kind of data will be used. So that's uh, the second aspect. And of course, it comes with the legal implications as well, not only ethical. And the third aspect is um, more related to internal use of technology for stakeholder engagement. That's uh, about um, uh, using, capitalizing on employee ambassadorship. You know, some of the organizations, they are providing incentives for their employees to post uh, corporate messages or uh, company-related messages on their own social media pages. You know, if if employees voluntarily do that, that's great. You know, that's employee advocacy, advocacy and employee investorship. But what if the organizations, or some organizations are doing that? They are using incentives. And then that poses this ethical question, right? Whether it is ethical to do that. And also related to another issue, whether that invades the employees work-life boundary and they might want to do it they might do it for the incentives but they actually doing it involuntarily and they do that during after hours let's say and that's in relation to their their personal space their personal time so that is this consideration of work-life balance and also work-life boundary 
And the third aspect, as we all know, the misinformation and disinformation, this issue is huge. And from the communication perspective, because of this viral nature of social media, it poses challenges for the organization. If there's any rumor, any misinformation being circulated in the companies, the organizations need to react very fast to combat those misinformation and rumor. A very interesting example actually just happened uh, a few days ago, or maybe last week yeah. in the US, is Target. You know, Target uh, is a you know it's a big consumer company, and then and this uh, uh, this rumor being circulated on TikTok on social media shows a picture with the company's logo, but it's in a black color. And the, the rumor is that Target is going to launch a new premium concept, concept store in New York. Right. And it's, it's interesting. And then the fans become very excited. You know, there's a new concept mm -hmm. store and it's in black color because you know the target is, is that their logo traditionally is a red circle, but this one is a black. The, the, the company reacted very fast and their communication team and their CEO, they immediately jumped into this conversation to combat this rumor. And they pointed out uh, that that actually that picture actually is a part of their New York office. The corporate, the corporate, the, the company's New York office is not a new store picture. It's just part of the company's office. So they immediately reacted and um, combat this, this rumor. They also use this opportunity to share with the fans, with their, their, uh, their consumers that they are going to expand their office, but not just not a new premium concept yeah. shop. Yeah. Yes. That's a great example. Uh, examples are, are great to help clarify what we're saying. So tell us now about the example of the multinational confectionery giant Mondelez. You referred to this example, I think, as a human mishap. Yes, exactly. That's another interesting example too. So Mondelez in 2022 announced a new marketing campaign. This campaign approach, they referred to it as humanizing. Mm. So after this was announced, it immediately got some pushback. Well, their intent was good. Their intent was to trans transform beyond the financially focused approach to a more consumer-centric approach. But the pushback, especially from the marketing community, is that this is just an empty buzzword. If you think of humanizing, right? It's an empty buzzword. And people were saying, it is really about how you demonstrate the value of this idea through actions. Mm -hmm. And just think of this word, it's very empty. Also, consumers may wonder, if you now treat consumers as humans, how they were treated before, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's the criticism they received. So the company and the, of the CEO, they acted quickly to the criticism. They defended the ideas. They also used this opportunity to better explain their intent mm. and better explain what they are trying to get, you know, to get their messages better across to the target audience. They also engaged stakeholders further to discuss this concept of humanizing in, in greater detail. So the idea here is, 
in the social media era, the organization's decisions, options, really cannot be considered. This, this it's really it can easily be put under public scrutiny. It's more transparent era. You know, it's more visible era. Yeah. Our organizations have to listen socially and in a very timely manner. Like the, this example, as well as the, the example of Target, both showed that organizations need to actively listen on social media. They needed to do their due diligence. They mm -hmm. needed to scan the environment to constantly to monitor the conversations, what is being discussed, what are the public's or the stakeholders' reactions to their decisions, to their new policy or the new operations. And they need to react, not only listen. Listen is not about collecting information. Listening is about collecting information and act on the information, act on the feedback. So that's uh, the takeaway we can get from both examples here. Yeah, yeah. And again, digitalization helps speed up that and give better opportunities to do that uh, through stakeholder relationship management. So what advice do you have for, I guess, for organizations, but also for more specifically for corporate communication practitioners? What advice do you have for them when perhaps they're struggling with uh, some aspects of uh, relationship management with stakeholders? Yes, absolutely. Technologies will continue to evolve. You know, these days we are talking about AI-enabled technology like chatbots and metaverse. So for organizations, it's important for them to embrace the new technologies, to keep up, up rest, uh, abreast. Sorry, uh, It is important for organizations to keep abreast of what is going on in the world. And what are the new technologies customers, consumers, or consumers are, are using? And they need to capitalize on the unique features of new technologies to better and to, to engage deep a deeper level with the stakeholders. And one thing to keep in mind is both informational and the relational strategies are important when it comes to social media engagement of stakeholders. A lot of research has shown that, including my own research, consistently. It consistently demonstrated that both relational and informational strategies matter. You can't still use it as an information dissemination tool. However, you cannot stop there because the unique, uh, the unique features of a social media is being two-way, being conversational, being more dialogic, being more communal and relational. So it's important for organizations to not only provide relevant, useful, accurate information in a timely manner to their stakeholders on social media, and more importantly, is to use it to engage in conversations, to listen, to, get, to have dialogues, to personify the organization, to, to incorporate their corporate character on their, in their social media conversations and to build community and the relationships. And for communication professionals, because they are the counselors for top management, for organizational management team, it's important for us to in, improve our technology literacy. So we need to be able to speak the language so that when we work with the technology team to develop, for instance, 
a relationship of building a chatbot or a social chatbot, we can we can collaborate with them, better collaborate with them to uh, to incorporate the communication aspect. So it is important for us to educate ourselves with an emerging technology literacy. And for organizations, again, use both informational and the relational strategies and to be open-minded, capitalize on the emerging, the, the, those advantages, advantages, features of emerging technologies. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, some corporate communication practitioners and scholars, I guess, who are listening to your advice might wonder if, um, say they work for different types of organizations, different sizes of organizations. They might wonder, is stakeholder relationship management more suited to some types or sizes of organizations than others? What are your, just briefly, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, that's a very good question. And that's a very important uh, aspect to keep in mind because companies are different they are different in terms of industry in terms of a size mm -hmm. and in terms of where they they are uh, they operate right whether it's a u.s company or it's a company in china or in india there definitely there's all these different factors to consider and but at the end of the day a lot of research has demonstrated the effectiveness of those uh, strategies, relationship cultivation strategies. They can apply across different contexts, mm -hmm. even though we definitely need to keep in mind the specifics of the context. For instance, for startups, startups is different from larger corporations. As, as you just mentioned, larger companies or like, like a fortune company, they have a lot of resources. But for startups or for some nonprofit organizations, they are limited in their resources. And then, of course, while well, social media is a cost-effective tool, so maybe for smaller companies, social media is even more important. And in terms of a communication strategies, they can vary. Well, listening is important for both startup companies and for larger corporations. But for small companies, let's from the take an internal perspective, was that because that is very salient in terms of the number of employees you are talking to. Like for smaller companies, you have under 50 people, maybe the traditional channels are more easy because mm. they are easier. And because it's small and the managers, they can easily have small group meetings, but for larger companies, and they, they probably need to rely on a lot of mass mediated channels, mm. right? Like email or other uh, telemediated channels or social media. And it's not saying social media for startup internally is, in, is not important. It's still important. It's just different scale of communication, different uh, scope of communication as well. So definitely we need to keep in mind these different uh, features of the organization. However, I would say, according to my research, the relationship cultivation strategies, such as transparency, symmetrical communication, dialogic communication, openness, listening, all those aspects, they can hold across different communication contexts, different organization contexts as well. Hmm. I have a final question, and that's about uh, the future of uh, research in this area. Um, yeah, so what do you hope to still see in uh, future research of 
of uh, particularly digital strategic relationship, sorry, stakeholder relationship management? Yes, there are several directions I personally uh, have been exploring. And I also encourage scholars to, to look further into these areas related to uh, emerging technologies and stakeholder relationship management. And the first aspect is AI-enabled technologies, mm. how that can be used for public relations purposes. We know AI, such as chatbots, has been used uh, uh, increasingly, especially in customer service or marketing domains, but in public relations, from the PR or strategic communication perspective, it has not been widely ad ad adopted. And then because, well, this is a new phenomenon for sure, and that's why we need more research. And also because it has potential, chatbots has a potential to, to, to be used as a relationship building tool. Like my recent article published in GPR, Journal of Public Relations Research, we looked at how chatbots can be used as an organizational listening tool and how that leads to organizational relationship outcomes. And our results showed that if you use it effectively, for example, you project a social presence, you project the warmth, sociability, personalize the chatbots, and to show use humor and use more uh, like more positive tones, conversational tone, etc. They can be used as a relationship building tool, and it is effective. Our results showed that the social presence, the conversational human voice presented presented on uh, in social uh, chatbot conversation can lead to perceived organizational listening that in turn enhance perceived transparency of the organization and also build relationships. So I think more research is needed to look at how, how we can use the AI-enabled technologies for public relations purposes. And my research uh, project is one um, uh, among the first few research attempts to look at this issue, but more research is definitely needed to look at this issue further. And then especially from an internal perspective, my first study looked at from the consumer relationship management perspective. Mm. But I know based on my consulting experience during the pandemic, many organizations, uh, these started to use social messengers. And the one organization I know of that I worked with is the company in the UAE. They actually built an, an internal chatbot just to address employees' inquiries about COVID-19. Yeah. So it can be used as an effective tool. It's 24-7 available. Mm -hmm. That can be used to address employees' questions, inquiries, and that can reduce a lot of the human labor as we could think of. And um, also it has a potential to listen to employees as well, and also listen to external consumers. And of course it can, depends on how we can use the data later uh, after this conversation, but definitely that's a great way to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with stakeholders on a 24-7 available scale, right? And then, so that's definitely have a, a had great potential to for public relations purposes. And the second aspect is metaverse. So metaverse is the new e digital ecosystem. How companies can capitalize on this immersive 
and experiential, experiential features of metaverse to better connect and engage with the today's digital savvy publics, especially Gen Z, like Roblox. A lot of young people are on Roblox. Then how companies can capitalize on that to, to, to really build this deeper connection with the younger generations. And a third issue researchers can look at is uh, a longstanding issue of measurement. Technologies are evolving, but how we can measure effectively digital engagement, especially pertaining to organizational bottom line. We know, yes, likes, shares, or sentiment, and those are our metrics we can use to measure, measure social media engagement. But how can we connect that to the bottom line or organizational objectives, business objectives? So that's the third aspect. So the last aspect I think future researchers can look at is um, digital privacy. Digital privacy concerns, digital privacy risks, and how that influences digital users' engagement, their engagement with the platform, engagement with the brands, the organizations, as well as advertisers. I have been working on a project related to digital privacy concerns, particularly from the cross-culture and cross-generational perspective, because there's recent research showing that the newer generations like Gen Z, they are more concerned with digital privacy. Then we wonder why, compared to the previous generations, what factors can influence digital privacy concerns and how that influences digital uh, users' engagement. So I have been working on a project. We are going to collect data from China, from uh, uh, South Korea, as well as US, so that we can look at whether culture and the political system can have play a role here in influencing user digital privacy concerns. We are looking at several categories of the influencers. One category is that the technological factors, whether it's text-based platform versus uh, the a video-based platform, that might have an impact on users' digital privacy concerns, right? And we also look at individual factors, that is across generation, we want to look at the age, how different generations of users look at this digital privacy issue and how that influences their user engagement. We are also looking at communication factors, now, communication is important here, as I mentioned earlier. Some people, they are not sure about how the organizations are going to use their consumer data. So organizations need to, to communicate transparently and not just use a very uh, dragon-laden, dra very long privacy notice when you sign up an app. We always often skip that. They needed to take more proactive measures. They needed to do more than that to communicate effectively their privacy policy and how their data, how the um, data can be protected. So that's the communication aspect. And then last aspect is the societal and the, the cultural and the political aspect. And that's why uh, my team and I, we are trying to conduct this cross-culture study because we want to look at whether individualist society it, that's like uh, Korea, uh, sorry, that's like US versus collective, collectivist society, China and South Korea. They may 
be different in terms of uh, their um, their attitudes towards digital privacy. Also, political system, like uh, an authoritarian society, a political system versus more democratic system like South Korea and the US. That's why we are looking at these three countries so that we can compare by you know by each pair to uh, look at the difference in terms of culture, in terms of political system, and how that influences people's digital privacy concerns and digital privacy attitudes, and how these digital privacy attitudes influence digital engagement. So that's the study we have been mm. working on. We just uh, started. Mm. So I don't have concrete results to share with the audience, but maybe in future down the road, I'm happy to share more once we have the results. Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Rita. This has been um, a topic, stakeholder relationship management, that a lot of us feel like we have grasped, but then the digital world changed everything. And so you've been able to illuminate some of those areas that digitalization has changed and how we can take advantage of that from a practical and research point of view. So thank you very much for your time, Rita. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You were listening to the Digital Corporate Communication, DCC podcast. 